0: Powdered milk. A lot of you don't know about powdered milk, but I guarantee you've had it because it's used in so many things today. I think the only people that pay attention to what powdered milk is in are lactose intolerant folks. But powdered milk is a thing. It's just not as big as a thing as it used to be. Now, this came to mind. Uh, Early this morning, while I was pouring myself a trough of Fruity Pebbles, when I was a child, milk was not often in liquid form, especially if you were at a sleepover with your cousins. Grandma Blaze, God rest her beautiful soul, was not about to let us, one, drink up all her milk, two, take the bus to Smitty's on 16th Street and Buckeye to get a gallon of milk just for the kids. Children can go through a gallon of milk in under 60 seconds, even my lactose intolerant cousin. He was going to deal with the abdominal pain and we were going to have to deal with the farts. So we would have powdered milk to go in our breakfast cereal. It was awful. If you want to know what, uh, what it's like to have powdered milk as a child, go get a half a gallon of 1% milk, pour three fourths of it out, then fill the bottle back up with water and then top it off with about a half a teaspoon of fine sand. That was powdered milk. As I remember it, what I would do though, is that I would try to compensate to, to compensate for the absence of milk flavor. I dump a whole lot of sugar in it, even if the cereal I was eating was already sweet. But all I was really doing was creating sweet, muddy, white water. Powdered milk was cheap. It lasted an infinity of time. I think my childhood box of powdered milk is still somewhere in the Matthew Henson projects today. Now listen, if you've never had to suffer the oppression of powdered milk in your cereal as a child, we can't be friends. You think your daddy walking out on your family or your mother not hugging you enough or the guy in the van didn't actually have candy was a childhood trauma? Oh no, my friend. When you wake up on a Saturday morning from your sleeping pallet that laid upon the cold, asbestos-filled, low-income, 20 by 20 housing tile, check to see if you peed yourself. If not, try to stand up on the oddly slippery tile in your socks. Walk, not run to the kitchen where, while Fred yabba-dabba-dude on the floor model TV set with the wired coat hanger as an antenna. Reach your booger covered fingers for one of those BPA-laden plastic cereal bowls and your half-melted plastic spoon because your crackhead cousin didn't realize plastic melts in the oven. Grab that red and white instant dry milk box, spoon a a heaping mound of utter dust into that bowl, walk to the sink, add water, try not to throw up or make an ugly face because grandma was watching, drop in those three lonely Fruit Loops in your six cups of cow water because you had to share the cereal, sit at the table, say a prayer thanking baby black Jesus for your fake poor black kid cloudy water cereal, eat and smile like your life depended on it. That, my friend, is true childhood trauma. And we kissed grandma after every bowl and we hope we'd be able to poop and then not hurt our baby butts. Oh yeah, this is Fat Guy Radio Show Snackable, Season 2, More For You. Well, welcome to Fat Guy Radio Show Snackable, Season 2, More For You. I'm your host, Corey Blaze. Fat Guy Radio Show Snackable is a series of one-on-ones with me on YouTube, because I don't have enough to do. The show is done in segments, I make them up as I go, and if you know the words, feel free. Now, I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Mine was small and intimate, loved it and hated it at the same time. I didn't do the traditional turkey, I did a chicken and some sides and that's about it. The only thing I screwed up was I forgot to the blanched broccoli, I bought fresh broccoli, And I wanted to, you know, just blanch it. And the best thing I made was my gravy um, made from the drippings of the chicken innards. Delicious, simple, yet gratifying. Oh, yeah. And I ate most of my store bought pumpkin pie before Thanksgiving. (laughs) Fat people, real world problems. I know. Well, let's dive in with if I ain't bitching, I wouldn't be me. right. There's something that needs to be cleared up. Apparently this particular issue is an issue that plagues nine out of 10 drivers in Arizona and some of y'all around the world. It's fall here in Arizona. The weather is perfectly crisp. We don't get snow in the Phoenix metropolitan area, but an hour or so North there is snow in what we call the high country. We are a sneeze away from winter And, and, and something very miraculous happens in Arizona during the fall and really during the winter a migration of this thing called the snowbird. What is a snowbird? I'm glad you asked. Stick with me. This may change your life. A snowbird is a person who decided to live in a state or a part of the country where during the fall and winter it snows a lot there. They at some point in their life realized that living in the snow was a bitch. So every year, these people, with their expendable incomes, pack up their very large 1970s motorhomes with their 60s shagging wagon in tow that hasn't seen shagging since the 60s, throw the most annoying dog in the back seat, lock up their homes, and come to Phoenix, Arizona. Where they cause this particular issue that I bring to you this day our freeways. Whoa! Our freeways here are mostly four lanes. That includes the annoying entitled carpool lane, or as some of you may know it, the HOV lane, the lane that is only open to Twitter owner cars, motorcycles, and people that can see a cop from six miles back. <laughs> our lovely snowbirds, who fled the snow that's as wide as the blue hair on their heads, come to Phoenix and drive on our freeways. Ooh. Now listen, I'm not age-shaming or rich people shaming, I'm driver shaming. Because the snowbird, in its migrational pattern, doesn't lose its way. It loses its ability to drive. Therefore, causing the dear snowbird to fear any speeds over 40 miles per hour, and the snowbird displays this fear on our freeways with a 65-mile-per-hour limit. Now stay with me, I'm going somewhere. You may be wondering, how do you identify a snowbird? I'm going to give you a few things to help you identify this wonderful snowbird. snowbird. First, the license plate. It's typically out of from out of town. Now, don't be mistaken by an out-of-town plate on a vehicle that has like a whole lot of stickers in the window. That's not a snowbird. That's a rental car. Secondly, the large motorhome that contains the out-of-town plate. Thirdly, the person driving the motorhome appears stunned with their mouth agape and a small rodent-like fuzzy dog is perched upon the driver's lap. The snowbird's natural mating call is a car horn, as they are often seen near lots of cars honking their horn. So, let me help you, you almighty, wonderful, slow-driving snowbird and this will help all the drivers in Arizona and around the world. Pay attention to the graphics. Our freeways have mainly four lanes. These lanes all mean something that is not in the driver's manual. You wouldn't know because it's not a particular publication of note in this state, but these four lanes mean something. There is the first lane of the freeway. This lane is a normal speed lane. It also serves the purpose of drivers getting on and getting off the freeway. The middle lane is the lane for drivers that are going the distance at a slightly faster speed of the first lane, but they don't need to get on and off the freeway for quite a distance. The inside third lane mimics the middle lane, however, the traveler's speed is significantly faster in the middle lane. And of course, there's the carpool lane for the Musk motorists and the crotch rocketeers. These lanes also have names that are not so well known or printed in the driver's manual, but are known to true, real, honest, good drivers like me. First lane, merge lane, middle lane, speed lane, inside third lane, ticket money lane. If you apply these simple principles to your driving snowbirds and all, it would make the roads safer and faster. Yes, it will. Now, we have a new governor here in Arizona, and I propose to our new governor to pass a few new road laws here in Arizona. I'm sure you'll enjoy. First law, if you are caught driving with first lane tendencies in the middle lane, we should have the right to pit maneuver your car into a wall and you have to pay for all the damages. Yeah. Second law, if your turn, if your turning signal blinks in excess of two miles, we should have the right to shoot your turning signal out blow that sucker right off the back of your car. Third law, if you are approaching the freeway access road to merge onto the freeway, and you have not exceeded or met 60 miles per hour before merging into traffic, your car should explode, killing you and all your passengers dead. Now, once you're on the freeway, it's it's not the time to gather speed. That's the purpose of the freeway access ramp. If you were caught in one of those traffic flow signals, it's okay to merge slower because those suckers only work when there's heavy traffic. We all go and slow then, but you got to judge that for yourself. Also, before I wrap this up in a pretty nice bow, if you pull up to one of those freeway traffic control lights, you know, the ones that go red or green and you're by yourself and there's no other cars around you or near, don't stop. Soon as you hit the line, it's going to turn green. Just go. So I hope these road trips and illustration have served you well. I know the snowbirds won't pay attention. They've been here for three weeks and they're still trying to back their motorhomes into their driveway. For the rest of us, please, please, please. If you take anything from this, if if you don't have speeding ticket money, stay your ass out the speeding ticket money lane. Use that us that have a speeding ticket budget. Are in that lane and will ride your ass. Nothing less than 10 miles per hour over the limit in that lane. And after 10 p.m., nothing less than 20 miles per hour over the limit is in that lane. And I'm Corey Blazing. Okay, let's transition with one of my favorite Instagram posts from the late, great Leslie Jordan. Well, shit. What are y'all doing? Screwing. <laughs> There was an article in the New York Times about all the rules for sex during the pandemic. said the best is masturbation. (laughs) My God, I'm 65. I can't even do that. It takes too long. It's too involved. (laughs) I bet there'll be a lot of babies born. Nine months be Christmas babies. I feel like y'all all out there screwing and Here I am just sitting. Well, screw on. It's been brought to my attention that I may not have made the weekly giveaway very clear. I felt it was clear, but now I will make it import China clear. In the, midst of, in the midst of the show, in the middle of the show, at any time, we will announce the giveaway. Here's how it works. Very simple. Use the slowdown method on YouTube if you need extra assistance. For years, my son AJ has complained that I have expired food items in the house, from the cupboard to the refrigerator. Now, it's not anything that turned into a science experiment. Just items that are past their expiration date, way past their expiration date, like years. For the season of Snackable, for this particular season of Snackable, we wanted to add a little more interactiveness. As Fat Guy Radio Show, the podcast is streamed live for interaction. Snackable is not. Snackable is like a TV show. So I take those expired items in my home and you have to guess down in the comments of this video, A month and year that you think the item expired. If you guess right, you're entered into a drawing for a $25 Walmart gift card. And with this being the holiday season, who couldn't use an extra $25? That will get you at minimum two gallons of liquid milk or four truckloads of powdered milk. (laughs) See, it's very easy. All you have to do is to be subscribed to the channel, like the video, and comment a month and year you think the featured item is expired. Then on the next show, I will reveal the actual date and month of the item. And if you guessed right, you'll be thrown into the mix with all the other correct guesses. We randomly select someone, then one of the minions running around here will contact you via YouTube, get uh, get your email and uh, send you a uh, gift card. It's just that easy. Boom, bam, and you're done. Think of it like a watch and win. The, uh, see, there are normally like 10 episodes of Snackable. So if you guess correctly every week, if I do some fat guy math, you could stack up 250 large. Now, here's the legal crap I have to say. No purchase necessary. All prizes subject to approval. Blah, 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 blah. Any questions? No? Good. ready for my fat fake take. Now, everybody knows what happened in Colorado uh, last week or so uh, at the gay club. It's a tragedy. It's needless. It's America. I'm not going to argue the gun control nor mental health nor hate because there's no point to arguing things that are literally woven into the fabric of this country. I almost didn't want to cover this topic, honestly, because it seems like the only groups that get the microphone are the loudest when something like this takes place are they're like so far to the left or to the right. that the only thing that really comes out of it is just another argument. The sensible, educated, thought provoking groups don't get heard. Why? Because of the sensibility in the way of rational thinking and action. It's not sexy to the media. Now, think about it. Think of the last newscast that you watched. Name a story that was covered that had any level of rational perspective. Can't think of any, can you? Because the rational, calm, even minded groups that speak on tragedies in America are not given the microphone because it's not sexy. It, it doesn't sell. There's no draw to it. And worst of all, we don't watch headlines that read so-and-so politicians say gun control is out of control after a mass shooting. So-and-so politician says mental health issues lead to mass shootings. We don't hear about the groups that are out there trying to raise money to fund their gun education courses, courses that teach you how to properly use and store a gun. The groups that are not only educating people, but are fostering a community of safe and responsible gun owners like myself. We don't hear about the nonprofit groups struggling to keep their doors open so they can continue to provide mental health services to underserved communities. The people who have turned their homes into makeshift clinics, the people that have been where others are so they know how to reach them. We don't hear about these groups. Why? Because these groups are doing exactly what should be done to curtail some of these tragedies, and it's not sexy to the media. We have been so programmed to immediately look to our politicians. We look to Washington, and the politicians we turn to are the famous ones, the ones we see headlines about. Do you even do we even realize that there are 535 members of the U.S. Congress? A lot of the people don't know that. Why? Because we only see the few whack job congressmen and women in the headlines, standing out in front of the Capitol, holding court when a tragedy strikes. Some of these congressmen and women's main operation is when something tragic happens in this country. They make a beeline for the cameras. So their communities see that they are out there speaking out, saying something, but doing nothing. Here's the real boob adjustment. These Hollywood politicians, as I refer to them, the ones out there speaking out, holding press conferences moments after a tragedy. Those are the very same ones missing when a bill is proposed to fund the groups that can curtail some of these acts of violence. They're too busy in the makeup chair. Getting their hair right, learning their pre written talking points. Every time something like this happens in America, it will be the same handful of politicians speaking out. And they will speak on their agenda, and it will be one or the other gun control or mental health. I hate to tie this into this fat fake take, but a few episodes back on the Connors on ABC, Um, the character Darlene played by Sarah Gilbert was granted a promotion at work. She became Wellman's new PR director. She had her first press conference about Wellman donating money to schools in Lanford. And after the press conference, she was approached by a rogue reporter and she was asked about Wellman's environmental impact on the city's water. Darlene claimed to not know anything about it. Later in the episode, Darlene requested a meeting with the CEO of Wellman plastics to ask about the water. At their dinner meeting, the CEO immediately walked in, introduced himself, said he understands that Darlene has questions about Wellman's environmental impact on the city's water, and he handed her a press tour schedule and talking points. Seeing that none of the talking points given to Darlene addressed the environmental impact, Darlene took issue with it and later cornered the CEO and directly asked about the water. The CEO threatened Darlene to stick to the talking points or quit the job. In the episode, Darlene quit. Now, see, that's an example that the people that are trying to enact change are often silenced by what they fear are the bigger, stronger, more influential people. When the truth is, it's just a forced perspective. The help we so desperately need in this country surrounding guns and mental health is screaming out from the back of the room, but its screams are drowned out by the cheers of the crowd to the pre-written talking points. So I say this, America, turn around. The answer is in the back of the room, not in front of the cameras. And when you turn around, take off your political party earmuffs and just listen because the groups out there in the streets, doing what you think our politicians are or should be doing, they don't have a political party. They have a people party. And in the words of Claire Huxtable, if we don't get it together and drop these political talking points, we ain't never gonna have anybody saving us from anything, anywhere, anyplace, anytime, ever. Now, Let's cleanse the palate with this. singing that's how you know you singing when you get that little bit of drool under your bottom lip that's how you know you singing you ain't got to get all the words right you ain't got to get all the words right baby that's passion there sing your sing your song baby sing your song all right so i came across this tweet that was shared on instagram and it reads being attractive is nowhere near it's all hype to be You get judged more than anything. You don't get to be a person. Nobody takes the chance to actually know your soul. You are just whatever they think you are, and you can't tell them different. Never before have I ever clicked in the comments so damn fast to respond to this tweet. But then I heard the voice of the Lord. And I deleted my comment and decided to react to it here on snack. Well, let me tell you something, attractive people. It has been scientifically mother effing proven that attractive people have advantages over people like me, the non-attractive. This is the most selfish, narrow minded tweet of all time. And that's saying a lot when you think of who owns Twitter now. I bet this person tweeted this from his 400 square foot bedroom in his mommy's house in the Hamptons. How dare you claim to be judged? You're being judged because that's what happens at a beauty pageant. You perfect Neanderthal. You don't get to be a person. Nobody takes a chance to actually know your soul, right? Because we can't see your soul. We can see your perfect symmetrical face, flat tummy or rock hard abs and hair that the wind blows perfectly for. And you can't expect us to hear you tell us anything different because it would be a lie. How do you expect us regular people to believe that you were something more than an attractive person when you were talking to us through your perfectly aligned teeth, non-bagged eyes, and evenly placed nose? Listen, attractive peoples. A study conducted in 2018 proved that people who are perceived as attractive are more likely to get hired for jobs and seem trustworthy. They are also thought to be healthier and lead happier lives. And this study was conducted by the chief innovation officer and professor of business psychology at the university college, London at Columbia university and was published by the Harvard business school. And the guy that conducted the study clearly was attractive. So don't tweet about the pains of being attractive. You get no sympathy here, you beautiful bastard. How about you go buy something else trendy from Old Navy? You need some more, you need some more gap? How, has your Fifth Avenue ran out of sacks? Must be hard buying an outfit um, off the model in the window and looking exactly like the model in the window. You want to know pain? You want to know pain in looks? Gain 200 pounds and get in an elevator with other people. Watch how they all start to internally pray that the elevator weight limit hasn't been exceeded and they all go plummeting to their deaths. Take a flight, take an airline flight. And the moment you step on the aircraft, you literally feel the plane shocks adjust as the stewardess hands you a seatbelt extender. How about you try walking down the aisle of a grocery store and watch how all the people slide their carts and family to one side to give you more than ample enough room to pass them up. Try posting a profile pic on a dating site of your dog just so you can hope for any level of human interaction. Tell me something pretty people. How about you try having an internet radio talk show or talking to the internet for a living, only being seen from mid chest up because you're trying to hide your unsightly man boobs, tank ass and thighs. And you have to be funny because no one likes an ugly, fat, angry black guy who lives in a house with too much stuff and his kids don't come and visit him or or, or because his food is all expired and he has a micro pee. So he sits in the dark corner for hours and hours at night, drinking himself into unconsciousness because he realized no one will ever love him. He can't pay some. One to tickle his buried fun zone. He was born alone and he will sure enough die alone. No one will find his body until he's a mound of chocolate milk dust. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, I admit things may have gotten a little out of hand here with this topic. (sighs) May I revealed a little bit too much? Might be a good place to end the show before the tears start. Well, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get the hell out of here. Thank you for joining me for Fat Guy Radio Show Snackable Season 2. More for you. Remember to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, turn on the alert so you never miss a new Snackable or live stream of Fat Guy Radio Show. A new show streamed every Thursday at 7 p.m. Arizona time. Visit FatGuyRadioShow.com. Please support our sponsors so we can continue to bring you shows like this for absolutely free. And for something a little more spicier, check out our monthly bonus show, Afterburn, at FattyGuyRadioShow.com slash Afterburn. Follow us on social media, share and like what we post. That is a free, free way to help us out and to spread the word about all the hard work we do to entertain you in a different way. I've been Corey Blaze, your host. For Fat Guy Radio Show Snack Up <laughs> Sunny Day, sweeping our clouds away, Bum 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 On our way to where the air is clean. Let me tell you how to get, how to get to Skekskomy Street.